Sure, we love Marvel, but today is a DC day. We'll be discussing the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths, as well as HBO's Watchmen. Also, there are several new trailers that have us looking forward to the new year, as well as the new decade. All this and more on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 93 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. So, the last podcast of the year. Yes. The last podcast of the decade. Decade, yes. Wow, mm-hmm. can you believe it? Ten years. Yeah, we're getting to 2020. 20 years in the new millennia. That yeah. was, uh, I can't remember if we talked about it in the last podcast about what was happening in 1999 and the big Y2K scare. Oh, yes. I remember that mm-hmm. because I was uh, very much involved in that. I was doing um, computer tech work at the time and we had to go in and fix all the coding on this. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it, it wasn't the big Armageddon everybody thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. but we managed to, we managed to, to mm-hmm. get by somehow. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be uh, it for the year, So, but we still got a lot to talk about uh, and a lot to look forward to. So before we get into a lot of the DC stuff that we delved into this week, I did want to talk a little bit of television. I saw an, uh, an article, uh, we, and we talked about this on the podcast before, about Kevin Smith doing an animated uh, Masters of the Universe mm-hmm. movie on Netflix, yep. Revelation. Well, apparently they've decided since they have the uh, Masters of the Universe He-Man license, they're going to do more with it. Of course, we know about uh, Mm She-Ra, which uh, I think they got another season of that coming out. But they're going to be doing, I guess, a soft reboot of the actual TV show. The art's going to look a little bit different, but it's going to be, I guess, like a soft reboot of the Masters of the Universe. And I guess they really liked what Kevin Smith was doing with the movie. Because he's writing and directing the TV show. Oh, way to go. So now how the movie and the TV show are going to relate to each other, I'm not sure yet. All we got was uh, on Twitter, we got uh, an image of um, the new school Skeletor, which is, he looks similar to what we got on the original series, but you can tell he's been tweaked for modern audiences. Mm-hmm. So To make it uh, easier on computer graphics to... <laughs> Uh, yeah. To animate. Uh, possibly so. Mm-hmm. Although, if you remember the old TV show, there are very many times where you saw the same animation over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that was a little bit easier. Yep, but... Same backgrounds, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just to lay the cell over. But with now, you know, you're putting everything in computers. So yeah. a lot of that can be, I guess, streamlined. I don't know what would be the best way to, to actually put that. I'm rotoscoping. Oh, yeah. uh, may have been the. It'll be like I said with Kevin Smith uh, writing for the for the show and directing it. He's huge fanboy of different things, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do with it for sure. Sticking with the television, of course, we've been talking about Star Trek Picard, and of course, we uh, we mentioned how in Swamp Thing how uh, they had canceled the show before it came out. Mm-hmm. Well. Star Trek Picard, they've approved a season two before it's come out. Oh, wow. So, Well, there's been a lot of hype around it. and uh, Well, a lot of people are excited, I mean, uh, about it because of uh, a lot of the uh, the nostalgia side of it. And mm-hmm. there's like a lot of characters from the original television series showing up in a lot of the trailers. And so you're getting... And Patrick Stewart has become such such meme fodder. So, you know, he's being known by this new generation and all these memes. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he's beloved. 
you know, he's our beloved oh, knight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And uh, so they were like, well, this, this is seems to be working out really well. So let's go ahead and just approve the second season. And I think they're getting ready to start shooting it, as a matter of fact. Awesome. So we know we're going to get at least two seasons of that show. One other thing on television, and we've been talking about this a little bit, you know, a lot of the issues in Marvel, the sort of the civil war, if you will, between the movie uh, side of it and the television side of it. Well, it's now official. Marvel TV is gone. It's all been integrated into into the Marvel side of it. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Feige is running the whole ball of wax now, he was working in Marvel television, but he was underneath of someone else. And he mm-hmm. was basically there uh, for continuity's sake, you know, to keep continuity between TV and and the movies. Although he didn't really have a lot to say about a lot of the stuff that was going on. But uh, with the success of the movies, they gave him more and more responsibilities. And then finally, now he's in charge of the whole, whole ball of wax. Now, well, of course, we've only got one more season of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., and I know that they've been working, uh, Marvel Television has been working on the Hellstrom TV show uh, before, the, uh, I guess, all this was announced. Now, I, I, I'm assuming that the Hellstrom is still a go, but I haven't heard anything about that. So, uh, but yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this is their last season, so it's not going to really affect them that much. Yeah, what this does with the Hellstrom show, I'm not sure. And of course, there's there's some other stuff, you know, in free form, you know, with Cloak and Dagger and other little, of course, the the whole Netflix all the Netflix Marvel shows were completely wiped at this point. So, mm-hmm. but we'll find out for sure uh, as uh, things develop for sure. So let's talk a little bit of DC TV then. Crisis on Infinite Earths. We've already gotten three episodes over the last week, and we got two more coming in January. I know you've caught parts of it. Have you? Mm-mm. How much of it? No, nope, none of it. Oh, I haven't seen any of it. Oh, Mm-mm. you haven't seen any of it. Okay. No, I did see. I saw a picture on Tom Ellis's. Instagram because you know I love Lucifer and I watch him and he had this picture of Constantine with him and it said I guess that something like the cat's out of the bag and I yeah. thought that Constantine was going to show up on Lucifer but as you told me apparently Lucifer shows up in Crisis on Infinite Earth yeah which makes which makes sense because of course he is a character from the Sandman series mm-hmm. which of course uh, Vertigo was a uh, a branch of DC Comics so it yep. makes sense to bring him in and of course mm-hmm. they. Like I said, I don't want to go into a whole lot of spoiler territory on this one. If you, if anyone's not seen it yet, of course you can catch it, all of it on the on the CW app, which is where I was watching it for the most part. But uh, there was a lot of great cameos in it. I mean, it was <laughs> it was great seeing Brandon Routh play Superman again. Um, I mean, getting to see Kevin Conroy take on Batman in in a certain way. And what they did actually with that, on film, not just voicing, not, not just voicing, or or in a uh, in a video game. And what they did with uh, that character, I thought was really interesting. It it was a bit of a surprise, but seeing a lot of cameos in this these three episodes were real. I mean, we, of course, we got to see uh, Burt Ward. Uh, and uh, oh, I hope he said holy something. He did. He absolutely yes. did. Of course, he did. Because <laughs> awesome. Because he has to. <laughs> And we got that, and we, um, I don't know if you remember the old uh, Birds of Prey TV show. Yes, yes, I do. That yeah, was so, my first introduction to the Birds of Prey. Yes, yeah, so uh, we we get a little bit of Huntress. Um, Excellent. And, of course, we got uh, we got to see a little bit of uh, the first Flash. Now, he's appeared in uh, on the uh, CW shows before in the Flash, and uh, getting to see that was, was cool. There was a lot, I mean, there's. There's all these little things, of course, Lucifer, mm-hmm. uh, getting to see him and getting to see Constantine. 
And there was, like I said, there's been just a, a lot of interesting uh, matchups. I mean, seeing Supergirl and Batgirl, or Batwoman, I should mm-hmm. say, seeing them interact with each other and kind of building that arc was was pretty neat. But uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, I'm not a big viewer of a lot of the CW shows, but definitely going into Crisis, I mean, you get an idea of what's going on, especially if you saw you know, the first big crossover that they did. But uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. And I mean, again, you're getting that sort of a Marvel feel in that, uh, you know, you're seeing all these people together in in one thing. But it's and again, it's not even just the fact that you're uh, that uh, all these different CW shows are coming together, but a lot of uh, of the history of DC on television are being represented in these shows, which is is really neat. And I do have to say, as far as definitive characters, because I, I had never gotten a chance to see him play this particular character until I saw Crisis, but John Cryer as Lex Luthor, he may be the definitive Lex Luthor. And there's been some great Lex Luthors out there for hmm. sure. But his characterization of Lex Luthor is just amazing. Yeah. He may be the best Lex Luthor that's ever that's ever wow. been realized mm-hmm. and of course it's funny because he um he played uh lex's nephew in superman 4 yep i can remember that and i always picture john crier as live action george jetson yeah so, yeah i can mm-hmm. see that i don't mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see that right but uh yeah he is uh uh he's incredible in this and I, i'm really digging his lex luthor and uh the uh the little twist at the end the the cliffhanger uh, that involves Lex Luthor, amazing. So I'm again. We'll have to wait till January. But, so is he uh, mad scientist Lex Luthor, businessman Lex Luthor, or politician Lex Luthor? Well, there's a little hint of politician Lex Luthor, uh-huh. which in, uh, is involved in uh, uh, Tom Welling, who also makes a, a cameo. Mm-hmm. But mostly, he's I would say businessman slash mad scientist. Mm-hmm. He is uh, an amazing Lex Luthor. But so was Tom Welling in the same scene as Lucifer? Because Tom no. Welling was on Lucifer, so I thought. Well, yeah. no, no, he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he played the character. He was playing the character that he played, of course, in Smallville, mm-hmm. with a, a, an interesting. Uh, he and Lex Luthor had uh, had a moment, which was mm-hmm. funny because, of course, uh, uh, he didn't recognize John Cryer's Lex Luthor, right. but he's like uh, when he said, I, "You know." It's Lex Luthor, and he's like, what, the president's in town? <laughs> so, <laughs> so apparently that Lex Luthor did go on to become mm-hmm. the president. But uh, there's a lot of great fan service in these series so far, and I am interested to see where, where it goes because a lot of people died. <laughs> a lot of people wind, wound up dying. but uh, And there's a lot of great, like I said, a lot of references to the comics, a lot of references to the TV shows. So it's been... Uh, it's been uh, fantastic. So we'll see what happens in uh, uh, when they start back up uh, and do the, the two-part finale in uh, January. Uh, but let's talk about the show that you've seen that I haven't seen yet, which is uh, uh, Watchmen on Ooh, HBO. Yes, I still have one episode to go. So, which yeah. is the season? Which is the season, season finale and series finale that right. so far that we know of. Yeah, because they haven't really said they're going to do a season two. But my understanding is this thing is self. It, well, it's like we talked about in the podcast before. This is supposed to be self-contained, and everything is supposed to finish up, wrap up, yep, wrap up in this season. So, uh, I haven't seen it, but uh, I've been hearing a lot of great things about it. Oh so, yeah, so. It's- 
it's gorgeous. It's beautiful to look at. It's masterful storytelling. You get some backstories that, you know, you just that were hinted at. I mean, everything, everything that you, that was hinted at, especially like Hood of Justice, everything yeah. that was hinted at about Hood of Justice is barely, barely the tip of the iceberg. It goes so much deeper than anything you ever thought. And it's just all these worlds are way opened up and, but still there are small stories, you know, that you hope, you know, you hope these characters get what they want. And we're told that it's going to end tragically. And I'm not looking forward to that. But, you know, but we have been warned that it's definitely going to end tragically. And but it is great. You've got to check it out. It, it's perfect. I see it as like, this is exactly where this world would have gone. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've been hearing a lot of good reviews on it. I, I tend to very often in these type of situations, I'll see a, um, I'll wait until the entire season's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm not doing that with The Mandalorian, obviously. <laughs> and of course, they ended that. Uh, there's one more episode to go. They We got to see the, the last chapter early because, of course, they're not going to play it on Friday. For obvious reasons, but but yeah, I mean, here I've been hearing a lot of just really awesome things about Watchmen, mm-hmm. and I knew this was this was one of those things. I mean, for a lot of comic book people, Watchmen is a, it's a sacred text for real, mm-hmm. and people love Watchmen. And going into to adding more to it, you know that mm-hmm. you're, you're taking a risk. You're certainly taking a risk. But uh, I hear it's been paying off. And I, yeah, I, I've heard if the, you just stuck with like you know the first one or two episodes. Uh, it does feel a little social justice warrior. You get that. But then once you get further into the story, that's just like a side sidebar of yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, good stories have a lot to say mm-hmm. for sure I, uh, about a lot of things. And uh, I've heard a lot of people say this is probably some of the best television out there. And uh, so, you know, during the holidays, I may have to binge this one for mm-hmm. sure. And one other thing, television-wise, and I was torn whether we, I was even going to mention this or not because, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of bad news necessarily, but I think this is something that we probably do need to talk about, and that is the news that Orlando Jones has been fired from. Yeah. What? Yeah. And yeah, that for- was flooring yeah yeah i mean and i you know american gods and i mm-hmm. I've, I've told you how much i've enjoyed that yeah show. and i don't even watch it but i love the book so yeah I, and i've I really enjoyed what they've done with the se- first season i'm i haven't re- been able to crack into the second season yet i mean i've got that set up ready to go but yeah i mean i i don't know how trying to give people the benefit benefit of the doubts one thing you know i and i i want to try to give people the benefit of the doubt you know whether there's a, a reason or not but if a quarter of what orlando jo- uh, jones is saying is true about why he was fired this is messed up yeah heartbreaking yeah and and the thing about it is this and like i, I, I like i just said it's like good stories have something to say and the character of mr nancy had a lot to say mm mm-hmm. mhm and yeah, I can understand a lot of the things that he said was uncomfortable. But if you're talking about slavery, it shouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And just making that voice go away doesn't change anything. It just kind of makes you look bad, mm-hmm. you know? That character is very effective. 
and has a lot to say and one is one of the reasons why I enjoyed watching American Gods is because it wasn't just fluff entertainment. Not that there's anything wrong with just being entertained, but there was there was some meat on those bones. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that worries me, I mean, let's forget about the fact that this is again, if, if this is all true, you know, this is as racist as hell. But let's just let's ignore that for a moment, like some other people seem to be trying to do. <laughs> but if you're going to be scared of rocking the boat and you're willing to get rid of an actor's to do that, you're you're going to kill this show because this show is based on rocking the boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what about that show isn't going to offend somebody? I mean, you look uh, again, you look at the first season, there's a bunch of stuff in there. People are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> if you're trying to make a, a, a show that makes everybody happy, you don't do American gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just don't. And, you know, to me, Atlanta Jones being fired is bad enough, mm-hmm. but it's just the beginning. If if they continue to do, I mean, they're going to wind up gutting this show mm. because you, you can't make this non-offensive to people. And it's not the point, mm-hmm. you know, so I just don't know. I mean, I'm not that I'm not definitely excited about any kind of a season three, especially if they're looking to to smooth things out and make it more palatable. Sorry, I don't go to a Mexican restaurant to eat bland food, you know? (laughs) I don't go to American Gods not to be challenged. Mm -hmm. That's the point. And, like, you know, having not seen it, having read the book, but I'm also a big fan of a Nazi folklore. And when it comes to the character of a Nazi, you know, comparatively to any other trickster god or even just any other kind of god, uh, rarely do you get such, such stories where the character... The protagonist is so flawed that not only is he a trickster and he tricks people, but he also gets tricked a lot. I don't think you get that as much with like Coyote or Coco Pelli, but you get that with a Nazi where at the beginning of the story, he tricks someone. And then by the end of the story, he's been completely tricked himself. And that's what kind of I I love about, you know, all of his folklores and all of his stories. So I'm I'm sad that we've lost that. And it's. Well, I mean, Mr. Nancy, that character in this show was he was incredible. It was one of the one of the best characters. And when he's first introduced on that slave ship uh, in in season one, mm. wow! Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, I was like, I mean, that's as good as television gets. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, but boy, does this look bad. Whatever reason it was to get rid of him was a mistake. It, it was it was a mistake. I I don't understand why this happened. I just feel bad about it. I, I feel bad for the future of this show, uh, a show that I really enjoyed, but it I enjoyed it because of characters like Mr. Nancy, mm-hmm. you know, and that, their willingness to, to talk about those type of things in a television show. I mean, that's what made the show good. And I, I just getting rid of Mr. Nancy does not make this show better. It just doesn't. And uh, I don't know. I just don't know. But, hey, since, uh, you know, this is the end of the year, and, of course, uh, Hollywood wants to get us excited about what's coming out, so we got a bunch of new trailers and some things we definitely need to talk about uh, trailer-wise that have come out in the, in the last uh, few days. And I know you've seen the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. Oh, yeah. What did you think? I mean, it's nothing like you were you're expecting out of a Ghostbuster story. It feels like any other haunted house, you know, a family moves out to the middle of nowhere into this possibly haunted town, haunted mine, whatever. But now you add this Ghostbuster twist to it. And instead of running away or trying to exercise the ghosts, we're going to catch them. We're going to fight against the ghosts. And so that seems really exciting. 
you know, you get all these little hints to Dr. Egon, you know, those little Petri dishes of right. mold well, spores and, and fungus. <laughs> and fungus. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like the, um, the, the mother is the daughter of, of Egon Spangler, Dr. Spangler. That's what it's kind of sounding like. We're yeah. not for sure, but that's what it's kind of leading, yeah, leading you it, to it's, think. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, the, the, uh, the young man and, and, and the young lady are, possibly uh egon's grandchildren mm-hmm. you know you have you have the gearhead and uh, wolf finn hart's character which some people are saying oh th- this is just ghostbusters meet stranger things and i'm like you say that like it's a bad like, thing yeah. that's so? that's a really good thing and of mm-hmm. course this the science whiz is the young is, is the young lady now some of us are old enough to remember the ghostbusters toys that came out you know with the real ghostbusters cartoon yeah, show yeah cartoon mm-hmm. and one of the things we remember of course the ecto 1 had the uh, had the seat that popped out and we got <laughs> and that happened in the you know you get that in the trailer what did they call it the the shotgun seat or the yeah. the firing seat? i forget what they called it but yeah. uh it had something to do a with gun- shooting it's like a gunner 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 seat yeah, yeah. It had something to do with shooting i know <laughs> the thing about it is yeah it doesn't look like a typical you know, like your Ghostbusters. It's not in the one. city. It's yeah. you know, and I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, it does <laughs> does look like a Jason Reitman film. You know, it's definitely got that tone to it. But the fact that it's not trying to be a remake of Ghostbusters, I mean, I know some people might not like that. But and it's it's a daring choice to make that you're not making the tone exactly the same. Um, but I like that. I'm glad that they're going somewhere else with it. So I, I I'm I'm interested in uh, I'm definitely interested in the film. Now I've heard not I've never heard of this a lot, but every once in a while you hear somebody make the comment that you know if you like this trailer you're sexist, and of course they're dragging 2016 back mm. into the into this whole thing. But uh, yeah, I mean those were those were really two different films. Yeah, I haven't so, seen any of that. I have seen um, memes that are like. Is Wolf is Finn Wolfhart ever going to get to be not Finn Wolfhart? Because that's what he is in every movie that he does. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's found he's found his niche for sure. <laughs> you know, and it's not the first time, of course, he's worn the Ghostbuster suit because he did yep. in Stranger Things. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's he's sort of that kid that you're going to find in the horror movie. Of course, mm-hmm. he was in it. He played Richie in it. So, and I like that line he had in the trailer. Say, so, hey, you remember that one summer where he died under a table? <laughs> so there's some humor there, but like I said, it's not. It's not going the crazy slapstick humor. I do wonder if some of the trailer, you know, if it, if Sony wasn't uh, looking at the 2016 Ghostbusters trailer and remembering that it was like the most disliked uh, movie trailer in the history of YouTube. And they were like, well, let's not do that again. I mean, you definitely get that feeling. It's like they were they were trying to be careful and not have a repeat of 2016. So. It certainly made me interested in seeing it, and the fact that it's not uh, a rehash of of Ghostbusters, that the tone seems to be different, although it will give you that stuff. And I tell you what I really like is the fact you've got the kids who are about the same age a lot of us were when we when we originally saw Ghostbusters, so we can identify, uh, you know, with those kids because of that. But then we also get Paul Rudd, who's about the age we are now. Mm-hmm. And so and he's a Ghostbusters fan. So now we can identify with with him. You know, he's us now. So the kids were who we were back in 1984 when Ghostbusters first came out. And Paul Rudd is who we are now, you know, and getting to examine that, you know, because if you're going into a movie for with nostalgia, you're you're in that split mind. You know, you're thinking about what it was like when you were a kid, but you're also experiencing it now as a person you are now and putting, I think it was really clever 
splitting up that narrative that way so that, you know, you kind of get a little bit of both of that. So, I mean, they certainly know what they're trying to do in this film, and um, I can't wait to see it for sure. But, uh, also, speaking of movies, we got the we got the first Wonder Woman trailer in 1984. Uh, yeah. And she can swing on lightning bolts. <laughs> for what we knew was going to be in the film, I mean, it basically said, yep, that's what's going to be in the film, but it gave us a taste of uh, what to expect. And, um, of course, Patty Jenkins, we know what she's capable of. We saw the first uh, Wonder Woman film, and we're going to get more of the same for sure. Kristen Wiig, I have to say, I'm I'm really interested to see what they do with her character. Yeah, because, you know, hearing that, you know, she's the, the villain, and at this moment she doesn't seem like the villain, so either they're twisting the character or they're going to give us a twist in yeah. the character. So. Well, there there's a moment where she walks into a party where you feel like she's made some sort of a change. You know, because mm-hmm. she seems like she's somebody who doesn't have a lot of confidence in herself. And at that moment, she seems to be really confident in herself. And we wonder, you know, they say she's playing Cheetah and she, you know, she's one of the villains. Of course, we see uh, we see Maxwell Lord in this also. And um, people who know who Maxwell Lord is probably it's a safe assumption that, that Steve Trevor being back might have a lot to do with Maxwell Lord. And, of course, people who've read the comics remembers that Wonder Woman wound up being uh, in the outs with the Justice League when Maxwell Lord took over Superman because he can do mind control. Hmm. And when Wonder Woman basically uh, bound him in the lasso of truth and asked him, how do I get Superman out of your control? And he says, you'll have to kill me. And she's like, "Okay," and snaps his neck right there. People are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. But he said, you know, I said I had to do it. So it makes you wonder what's going to happen to Maxwell Lord in this movie. Are we going to get to that point where Wonder Woman has to make some sort of a choice? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anytime you mention Maxwell Lord and Wonder Woman, people think about that moment and they're like, oh, that was <laughs> that was unexpected. So again, that's we'll be getting that. Uh, we'll be getting that next year. And I can't wait for that. I mean, as of right now, uh, Wonder Woman is the most successful of all the DC movies that are out there. Although, I mean... Aquaman did really well. Uh, Shazam has done really well. Mm-hmm. And they've, of course, announced that Shazam 2 is coming. Yeah. So so expect that here soon. A movie I didn't know was coming out and kind of trailer, I want to say it was like uh, first part of the week, was a Ryan Re- Reynolds film called Free Guy. Where the video games become self-aware? Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, mm-hmm. he's basi- where he's basically an NPC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he finds out, oh, I'm in a video game, and right. he, and he basically uh, decides to uh, get a promotion. He wants to be the hero. He doesn't yeah, want to be the guy standing in the background, kind of like The Matrix and Wreck It Ralph. And, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we've had we've had movies in the past mm-hmm. like Tron and Wreck It Ralph and Ready Player One. Yeah, you know where you're going into the video game world, but you know everybody who's been, you know, they they were the heroes. Of course, they're the main players because, of course. You know, that's who we identify with when we play games. But to take this, you know, er- literal everyman, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that you know works in a bank and the bank's always getting robbed because, of course, you know, like very much like that reference to GTA where the players are continuing to come in and rob the bank. And he's just like every day he goes in, he wakes up to the sound of gunfire every morning, goes to the bank. You know, somebody is constantly coming in with a shotgun to rob the bank and he's getting into the floor. Mm-hmm. As he does, he does every day he goes into work and 
the fact that things kind of turn around and he decides, no, I'm I'm going to take control of, of, of my life. Oh, Pleasantville. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the Matrix meets Pleasantville meets Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's a good uh, description mm-hmm. of it. But uh, the trailer's got me interested for sure. There's some mystery stuff coming out also that I found interesting. We did finally get a full trailer for Tenet, which is the uh, new Christopher Nolan film. Mm, I've uh, only seen the poster, which is just the word Tenet. <laughs> there was a teaser trailer that had like nothing in it. Mm. And so it was like we had no idea what this movie's about. And if you see the trailer, you're still kind of wondering what's going on. Although the main character is some sort of a... Uh, an agent of some sort, maybe not a government agent, but someone who works behind the scenes. And it appears in the trailer, although they never blatantly say this, is that time can either because of him, he has the ability to control time or there's something controlling time, but time runs backwards and forwards. There are times where things reverse themselves. And so what this movie's about exactly, the trailer doesn't tell you. It just gives you all these little snippets of weird things are happening. And there have been a lot of people who've said uh, that this is probably Nolan's uh, most ambitious film to date. Really? Yeah. Mm. And I'm thinking, that's saying a lot. Yeah. When you see the movies that Nolan's made so far, I mean, to say that's his most ambitious film is, that's crazy. After The Dark Knight? Um. Well, after like uh, Inception? Oh, I forgot about Inception. Uh, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. I mean, there uh, there are some very complex storytelling. There's a lot of complex storytelling in, in a lot of what he does. And to say this is most ambitious film, I'm like, well, what that? What more can you put into a into a Christopher Nolan film? I I have no idea. I I don't know. But uh, I guess we'll find out. I also got to see a trailer, and I know you uh, you saw a poster for it. I don't know if you ever saw the trailer for it, which just came out recently. The Amy Adams film, uh, The the Woman in the Window. Nope, I haven't seen. This is sort of, I guess, uh, from what I can tell from the trailer, this is a very much a, um, very much like uh, Hitchcock's Rear Window. Okay. Amy Mm -hmm. Adams is a uh, agoraphobic, so she can't leave her apartment. So where, Mm -hmm. you know, Jimmy Stewart, he had a broken leg and couldn't leave his apartment. She's horribly agoraphobic. Mm -hmm. Or where the uh, several movies where like someone's under house arrest and they can't leave. Right. Yeah. And so she makes friends with somebody from across the, uh, from another house. She she can see into their window and, you know, makes a friend with this woman and then sees her murdered. Mm-hmm. But weird things start to happen in this, uh, you know, uh, in the trailer, they, the husband comes over, says, you made a mistake. My wife isn't dead and introduces uh, his wife to her. And it's not the same person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's so, very, very rear window. Yeah, very mm-hmm. rear window, and there's some, you know... And what lies beneath, and... and I mean, there's a lot yeah. of gaslighting going on in this. Mm-hmm. It looks like this is going to be a really interesting film, and I mean, the cast looks solid. You know, when you get Gary Oldman playing the, the doctor, the uh, the husband, and, of course, Amy Adams, this is going to be, I have to say, this is going to be a really solid film, and I'm looking forward to it for sure. Um one last trailer that we did wind up seeing uh, that just came out today, and I can't even call it a trailer. It's just a teaser just to let you know, oh, by the way, uh, there is going to be a Quiet Place too. Yeah. Yeah. We just, so We just pretty much see the family. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So mm-hmm. just to let you know, just to kind of tap on the sholdder. Uh, here you go. Uh, it's coming. So, and that's all. That's all we got of it so far, but we may see a... Uh, we may see uh, more of a trailer on down the road, but uh, just in case you didn't know, hey guys, 
if you like Quiet Place, it's uh, we're getting uh, we're getting part two. So, and of course, by the end of Quiet Place one, there was some place for them to go with it. So, but of course, you can say that about pretty much every movie that comes out mm. now because everybody is like, hey, let's try to get that sequel in, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. So there's a lot to look forward to, and a lot to look forward to in the very very near future because, of course, this weekend. Is Star Wars. Star Wars. The final one, The Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been seeing reviews, and I guess it depends on who you talk to. It's This is a, I have to say, it's a very polarizing film from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are either really loving this film or they're really hating it, which is weird. I think some of it has to do with, they feel like, you know, the whole issue with Ryan Johnson and the last film, you know, The Last Jedi and how some some fans were disappointed with some of the choices that he made and the fact that he felt like he you know he he decided to do his own thing away from uh and do uh Star Wars the way he wanted to do it and kind of threw away some of the storylines that they've been developing from what i understand some people uh some of the reviewers and some people who have seen the movie already are saying you know that J.J. Abrams has come in and had to patch a lot of that up and, mm. and undo some of the things that Ryan Johnson did. So there's that aspect of it where you feel like, you know, this is just him having to backtrack, you know, and that slows the movie down. And some other people have said, you know, it's like they know this is the last of this trilogy of trilogies <laughs> and that they're trying to cram everything in and and answer all the questions and all that. And that that can be a little bit tedious. But um, no Vendry? No Vendry? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. But uh, again, people either really like it or they really hate it, which to me, like I've always said, that that seems to be the mark of, of good art because, you know, if people are just bland about it. That's like the worst thing you can you can get. But that's this weekend. But, you know, let's be honest. If you, uh, you know, if you want to go to a movie that everybody agrees on, go see Cats. Because apparently everybody, <laughs> apparently everybody agrees on that movie. <laughs> oh wow! Have you been seeing the reviews on this? Um, no. <laughs> oh my god! I, I'm only bringing this up because I, I'm gobsmacked about uh-huh. the things I've been hearing about this movie. When you see it, you're like, "What the heck is this going to be mm-hmm. about?" But I had no idea. After what I, I, I've not even seen this movie, and the stuff I've seen on it, I, I, the reviews I've seen on this film. I, I can't. I can barely talk uh-huh. <laughs> because it's not just like it's a bad movie. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's insane. Mm-hmm. There are people saying that the only writer who could do uh, do a review justice on this film is H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> it's existential horror, mm-hmm. is what they're saying this movie is. Mm-hmm. It's like it not only makes you question why this movie exists, it makes you question why human beings mm-hmm. in general exist. You know. Motion capture has, you know, come such a long way, and it can be a beautiful part of storytelling, like, you know, Planet of the Apes, etc. But cats in the stage sense, for makeup, it was such an innovative show. Yeah. You know, very seldom did you get such beautiful just makeup work uh, that you were able to, you know, maybe just maybe age makeup, maybe prosthetics, but actually becoming, you know, turning humans into animals, which, you know, then would have led, you know, about 10 years later to the Lion King. And then you turn these humans into to lions for these beautiful stage productions. That was such an integral part of that show of the Andrew Lloyd Webber legacy that I kind of feel like that should have been a bigger part of it. 
than than the motion capture. They should have well what I feel is they really should have tried to do it makeup and maybe some animatronics. There's just something something about it and maybe it goes back to the Gene Roddenberry when you're making aliens if you uh, you leave the eyes in the mouth mm-hmm. so that you can identify so that you can see their eyes and you can hear them speak and I just I really don't know how to describe it. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about it is this thing is definitely uh, uncanny valley to the nth degree, for mm-hmm. sure. But what makes this whole thing worse is the fact that uh, the size of these creatures change all the time. You can't tell from one uh, one moment to the next what size they are. Mm-hmm. They wear coats that look like cat fur, so you're, you're sitting there questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. Are they skinning each other to wear each other? Uh, one reviewer said there is a scene with Rebel Wilson that you will not come back from. Hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's like they went into the uncanny valley with shovels and decided to see how far farther down they could go. Mm-hmm. I mean, reviewers were leaving this movie feeling terrified and confused. <laughs> they they said this is the most. I mean, the thing about it is, I, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the musical, although I've I've heard music from it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like the musical is there's not a whole lot of storyline into right. it. I mean, there's it's, there's setups for songs and that sort of thing. But there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that people are just one reviewer said it it literally gave him a migraine trying Ooh. to figure all this stuff mm-hmm. out. Yeah, the, I did notice that. that uh, see, the, the play itself is kind of anthology like like, uh, you know, it's based on a book of poems by T.S. Eliot. And so the musical is a bit anthology. A bit of an anthology. It does feel like in this movie that perhaps they have tried to add storyline that wasn't in there. Right, right. Hmm. But you know that's the thing about it too is that they all these reviewers have been saying about this movie is just like it's it's not like a, just a bad movie, but it's it's creepy as all get out, and it doesn't make any sense. And people were worried about it's so uncanny valley. It's messed up. One reviewer described this as disturbingly erotic. Mm. Yeah, because, mm. I, uh, you know, uh, it's like, it again, it just leaves you terrified and confused and you don't know. But the thing about it is this. I mean, as somebody who's gone to see movies like Midsummer and uh, Martyrs and Audition and a lot of these really transgressive horror films, you know, I wasn't interested in seeing Cats. Now that I've seen all these reviews, <laughs> there's a masochistic part of me that's mm-hmm. now starting to get interested. I'm wondering, you know. I'm not saying that this is a William Castle attempt at trying to get people to come in and see this movie. They're going to tell people to drop acid and then go see the movie. But like it's Tommy. Wor- but it's working on me. <laughs> I'm 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 kind of curious now. And that's that's what's weird about this whole thing. I'm like I I don't know. I don't know if this is just some sort of weird setup to make you go see this creepy freaking movie. Uh that's mm. that's going to that's, you know that it's a that it, in all of this it's a horror film, not meant to look like a horror film that, you know, but now I'm curious. I don't know. Give me a couple of days to think about this. You know, ask me at the first part of the year, did I go to see Cats? And if I got that look on my face, I probably mm-hmm. did. But I'm, I'm, like I said, I don't know how I'm going to, uh, how to take this because it just seems like it's going to be. Well, you know, I don't know that Andrew Lloyd Webber has had many successes. When his work is put to film, I mean, I don't think Evita did very well. Yeah, uh, I think, Phantom of the Opera. I, I, I think it was okay. I don't think yeah. it did anything special. So, 
yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Well, you know, the thing about it is when you when you take, st- I mean, you can adapt stage to the to the screen. I think mm-hmm. it can happen, but especially with musicals, I think that there's there's something about seeing it on stage. There's a magic to it that I don't think you can really capture on on the the silver screen. I think the same thing with like you know a, a magic show. Mm-hmm. I think seeing it on film as compared to seeing it live on a on stage, I think that that's a major difference. Yep. Just not the same thing. And I, I think it's the same thing with these musicals. I just don't think that they, they're going to translate well. But yeah, the, this whole Uncanny Valley thing, I just, again, I'm just like, I wasn't interested in seeing it now that, you know, that this may be the existential uh, horror film of the of of the Christmas season. You know, do I go see it now? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll address that again at the beginning of the year. But uh, of course... Um, like I said, this is the last podcast of the year, and of course, we are getting into the Christmas season. And so, I did want to spend some time wishing people a, a Merry Christmas, or Happy Hanukkah, or uh, Saturnalia. Joyous Kwanzaa, yes. Blessings of Yule. Yes, uh, Festivus for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So, this has been a great year. Um, of course, we've had our uh, a full year of doing the podcast together, and... Uh, I've uh, enjoyed it very much, and of course, uh, we're going to be taking a break uh, over the next couple of weeks to enjoy uh, Christmas, but we will be uh, coming back uh, the first part of January, and um, our plan is to uh, continue to step our game up. We're doing uh, new stuff on the podcast, and eventually we might even uh, do a live uh, video podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking at doing that here sometime soon. We're we're looking at the logistics of it, but... uh, as of right now, of course, I want to wish everybody happy holidays, uh, whether you're uh, uh, with your family or your friends. Hopefully, you'll have a um, a good holiday season. And uh, so, Mandy, what you got planned for the holidays? Family's coming in this weekend, and um, that's all so far. After that, it's kind of a toss-up to see who's free when. Yeah. Well, of course, I'll be spending uh, holidays with my family and uh, spending time with the nieces and the nephews, as I do, and... Uh, yeah, like I say, uh, this will be an interesting uh, holiday season. We wish you guys the the happiest of holidays, and we will, of course, see you next uh, next year and the next decade. So, with that said, we come to the end of episode ninety three of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petri, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there: we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you in 2020. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.